It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains discussions of the murder of two girls. Back on December 1st, 2022... Andrew Baldwin and Brad Rosie, the defense attorneys for Richard Allen, issued a press statement in which they asserted that their client was innocent of the murders of Abby Williams and Liberty German. In the course of that release, they made an interesting reference to the Carroll County Sheriff's Department. The lawyers pointed out that the arrest of their client took place during a contested sheriff's election and referenced a recent lawsuit that had been filed against the department by Mike Thomas, who, until recently, had served as the chief deputy. This lawsuit was actually the second of two cases filed against Carroll County that directly referenced the sheriff's election. Let's talk about that election. 
And perhaps the first thing we should do is stress that there were actually two separate Carroll County Sheriff's elections in 2022. The first one, of course, was the primary back in May. In a primary, candidates compete to earn the Democratic or Republican Party's nomination for a particular office. Then, in theory, those two major party candidates compete in the general election in November to determine who will actually win the office. Generally speaking, in Carroll County, it is the Republican primary that is the most crucial election. That is because that part of Indiana is heavily conservative and tends to reliably vote for Republican candidates. The Republican primary for sheriff this year was a three-way race between Tony Liggett, Mike Thomas, and Lee Horde. Liggett and Thomas were both currently serving in the sheriff's office, while Horde had previously served as sheriff. Support seemed to rather quickly coalesce around Tony Liggett. The other deputies in the department all endorsed him. Thomas never got that level of support, and he ended up losing the race for the Republican nomination to Liggett. Now, in a typical year, that would have been the end of the story. Liggett could have easily been expected to win the general election in November. But things were a bit different this year. An independent candidate named Mark Pinkard decided to enter the race. Pinkard, a detective from the nearby town of Lafayette, was endorsed by Thomas. He also had some contentious candidate debates with Tony Liggett. On Facebook, Pinkard even took some not-so-veiled shots at Tony Liggett. In a clear reference to the case we will be discussing today, Pinkard on November 7, 2022, wrote, Over the past few months, never once has my integrity, professionalism, or character come under question. Never once have I been questioned for any wrongdoings or perceived wrongdoings. Never once have I been brought up in any lawsuits whatsoever. Not only has this been the case over the past few months, but it has also been the case throughout my entire law enforcement career. I am a rule follower. Again, the implication of Pinker's words is clear. He is suggesting that the integrity and professionalism of Liggett and the Carroll County Sheriff's Office has been called into question. In any case, the voters of Carroll County clearly did not share his concerns. Tony Liggett defeated Mark Pinkard by a healthy margin and became the sheriff-elect of Carroll County. As of this date, Pinkard does not appear to have offered a statement of concession on his campaign Facebook page, a site where he had previously been quite active. However one may feel about Pinkard or his candidacy, at least one element of what he said was accurate. The Carroll County Sheriff's Office had been the subject of two 2022 lawsuits. In essence, those two lawsuits questioned both the integrity and competence of the Carroll County Sheriff's Office. Since that agency plays a key role in the ongoing investigation, it seems crucial to take a close look at them. Do they potentially raise issues that should, in and of themselves, create reasonable doubt as to the guilt of Richard Allen? Do they illustrate problems that should make us question the quality of the investigation itself? Or are the suits just a trivial sideshow, a distraction that is unworthy of the attention the defense attorneys seek to give them? My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. 
I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, we built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. We're the Murder Sheet. And this is the Delphi Murders, the Carroll County Sheriff's Office Lawsuits, Part 1. On May 6, 2022, Angela Sadlowski and Sue Wright filed a suit against Carroll County, quote, calling for an investigation of the Carroll County Board of Elections, Carroll County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Tobe Lesenby, Sheriff Candidate Tony Liggett, the Flora Volunteer Fire Department, Financial Builders Federal Credit Union, and Municipal Employees of Carroll County. Before we get too far into the weeds on this suit, we will note that we briefly covered it before in our episode, The Delphi Murders, Mike Thomas's lawsuit against Carroll County. We also suggest you give that episode a listen if you are curious about our past experiences with Sedlowski. Let's talk a bit more about our previous coverage so that you can get an idea of how we report and perhaps get an insight into the mind of the woman who filed the suit. Before we did that earlier episode, we reached out for comment, and Wright wrote back saying we should not contact Mike Thomas, and that she declined our request for a statement. She did, however, claim that Mike Thomas had nothing to do with her lawsuit. After that episode was released, Wright wrote to express her dismay over our coverage. We asked if she could cite anything we reported that was not accurate so that we could correct it. She wrote back that she was, quote, surrounded by attorneys and claimed that, quote, we have the capacity and technology to track to the exact IP address for any information you choose to post. When we decided to do another episode on her suit, we reached out to Wright once more and asked if we could interview her about it. She responded by sending us several Christmas-themed pictures, including a cartoon of Santa Claus getting a tattoo. Since that was not actually an answer, we repeated our request for an interview, saying we wanted to include her perspective. She wrote back that she declined to speak with us on the advice of her attorney, 
then added that her attorney said, quote, any material you have better be authenticated. That sounded a bit like a threat to sue us if we used any non-authenticated material. The problem is that even though I am myself an attorney, I do not understand what she means by her reference to, quote, authenticated material. Her lawsuit is a matter of public record. Anyone could look this up. We wrote to her attorney, Kevin Bowen. He said that he was new to the case and that if we wanted to get information about it, we should talk to Wright or Sidlowski. This, of course, was after Wright told us her attorney told her not to speak to us. Meanwhile, Wright wrote that she would have, quote, no further comment. That will not change. Period. We have not contacted her since, but she went on to send us a video of a sleigh being pulled by a motorcycle, a picture of the Grinch, and a video of an elf sliding down a staircase. We do not know why she has done this. In any case... We will base our discussion of the suit filed by Wright and Sladowski entirely on public records. In the civil suit they filed, Wright and Sladowski basically say that various persons and institutions in Carroll County acted unfairly in regards to the 2022 Republican primary for sheriff. As the suit progressed, they went as far as to file a motion asking that the Carroll County Board of Elections not be allowed to certify the votes after the election. They also asked for a change of venue because they felt they could not receive a fair trial in front of an impartial judge in Carroll County. What exactly prompted all of this? What were the assertions in their suit? Well, in essence, they claim that certain officials and agencies within Carroll County preferred candidate Tony Liggett to candidate Mike Thomas and that those persons put their thumbs on the scale for Liggett in ways that violated Indiana state law, as well as the Federal Hatch Act. Because it will be important later, I want to highlight here that when Wright and Sladowski filed their suit, their address was in a small town in Michigan. When the court tried to send communications to that address, they were returned as undeliverable. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle. But it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. 
With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20 percent of your weight in one year in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's ro.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But let's get back to the assertions in the suit itself. First, as we said, Wright and Sedlowski alleged that people in Carroll County had committed a civil tort against them by supposedly violating state law. There are a couple of problems here. Let's start by looking at what exactly a tort is. One way a tort can arise is if you owe a duty to someone and you fail in that duty, causing that other person to suffer harm. Here's an example that might explain it. Let's say you go to a restaurant and order a big steak dinner. The restaurant serves you spoiled meat and you get sick. That is a tort because they had a duty to you to serve you unspoiled meat and you got hurt because they failed in that responsibility so you certainly have a cause of action to sue the restaurant. Now, let's carry it a step further. Let's imagine that you read an article on the internet about someone getting sick from being served spoiled meat at a restaurant. Well, you do not have the right to then sue the restaurant. Because number one, the restaurant had absolutely no duty to you, and number two, you suffered no harm from what happened. Wright and Sedlowski indicated they lived in Michigan. This means the state of Indiana owes them no election-related duty. And even if we jump to the conclusion that something was not right about the election, it is clear that people living in Michigan suffered no harm from it. That in and of itself seems like a fatal flaw to this section of the lawsuit. But we are not done yet. Wright and Sladowski were essentially filing a civil suit because they felt that the Carroll County Board of Elections had failed to enforce Indiana election law. Yet, if you read the law itself, it soon becomes clear that the Board of Elections actually has no right to enforce that law. It is up to the county prosecutor or the state attorney general to go after people who violate it. And neither of those people who are experts in the law, felt there were any violations to prosecute. So in short, they wanted to sue an agency for failing to enforce a law that agency had no power to enforce, while the people who had the responsibility of enforcing that law 
didn't appear to feel there were any violations to prosecute. This also seems like a fatal flaw to the part of the suit that deals with state law. Of course, there was another part of the suit. Sidlowski and Wright claimed that during the sheriff's primary, that the Carroll County Sheriff's Department had also violated the Federal Hatch Act. This is a 1939 federal law which regulates the political activities of employees of the federal government. So right there you probably see a problem. The Hatch Act applies to federal employees. Well, the people who work for the Carroll County Sheriff's Office are not federal employees. They work for the state of Indiana. But things are not quite that simple. The Hatch Act can actually apply to state and local government employees as well, but only if those employees have job duties that are in connection with federally financed programs or activities. In other words, if a state government employee has job duties that involve things the federal government is paying for, then that employee falls under the authority of the Hatch Act. That's fair enough. So, in 2022... At the time of the primary election, did anyone in the sheriff's department have work that was connected to federal funds? The answer to that is an unequivocal no. And we want to make that as clear and as definite as possible. The agency responsible for enforcing the Hatch Act is the Office of Special Counsel, a federal agency. They took all of this seriously enough to conduct an investigation. On October 20th, 2022, Erica S. Hamrick, the deputy chief of the OSC's Hatch Act unit, sent a letter reporting their findings to Tony Liggett, who is now the sheriff-elect of Carroll County. Hamrick wrote, According to information gathered during our investigation, the Carroll County Sheriff's Office did not receive federal funding in 2022. Accordingly, OSC had concluded that you did not have duties in connection with federally funded activities, and thus, you were not subject to the provisions of the Hatch Act at the time of the alleged activities. OSC is therefore closing this matter without further action. In other words, the OSC, the experts on the Hatch Act, felt it did not apply to Carroll County. In other words, the OSC, the experts on the Hatch Act, felt it did not apply to the Carroll County Sheriff's Office in 2022. And of course, you cannot prosecute someone for allegedly violating a law that did not even apply to them. Nor can you file a civil suit against the Board of Elections for not enforcing the Hatch Act when, again, that board had no power to enforce it, and again, the agency that was in charge of enforcing it did not feel that it was even applicable. This was a fatal flaw to the part of the suit that applied to supposed violations of federal law. It probably won't come as much of a surprise for you to learn that the suit was dismissed. But that was not the end of it. Carroll County does not have infinite resources. It cost them money to find and hire the lawyers who successfully got the suit dismissed. The county did not think it was fair for them to bear the cost of having to defend against what proved to be a baseless lawsuit. So they asked the judge in the case, Benjamin Diener, to have Wright and Sadlowski pay the bills for Carroll County's lawyers. 
it is not terribly common for the losing side in a civil suit to be ordered to pay the winning side's legal fees. There are a lot of reasons for this. A big part of it, I suspect, is that lawyers tend to like lawsuits. We believe they provide an excellent way for people to stand up for themselves and protect their rights when those rights have been violated. And, to be more cynical, lawsuits are a big part of how attorneys make money. This is all to say that lawyers and judges generally do not want to do anything to discourage lawsuits. And if the losing side in a case faced the realistic possibility of having to cover their opponent's legal fees, well, that would tend to discourage a lot of people from filing a suit in the first place. So it doesn't happen especially often. But Indiana law does recognize times when it is appropriate. Let's read from Indiana Code Section 3452.11. In any civil action, the court may award attorney's fees as part of the cost to the prevailing party if the court finds that either party, one, brought the action or defense on a claim or defense that is frivolous, unreasonable, or groundless. Two, continue to litigate the action or defense after the party's claim or defense clearly became frivolous, unreasonable, or groundless. Or, three, litigated the action in bad faith. Do any of those situations apply here? Should this case be considered frivolous or groundless? Well, let's take a look at what Ryan Munden, the attorney for the Carroll County Board of Elections, had to say on the subject. A claim is frivolous if it is made primarily to harass or maliciously injure another, if counsel is unable to make a good faith and rational argument on the merits of the action, or if counsel is unable to support the action by a good faith and rational argument for extension, modification, or reversal of existing law. A claim is unreasonable if, based upon the totality of the circumstances, including the law and facts known at the time, no reasonable attorney would consider the claim justified or worthy of litigation. A claim is groundless if no facts exist which support the claim relied upon and supported by the losing party. Plaintiff's claims in this case lack any good faith and rational argument on the merits, and no reasonable attorney would consider the claims justified or worthy of litigation. And therefore, the Carroll County Board of Elections should be awarded its costs and attorney's fees in defending this action. That is a strong argument. But let's continue. As we've heard, attorney fees can also be awarded if one side acted in bad faith. Did Wright and Sidlowski act in bad faith here? Let's hear what Ted Johnson, the attorney for Carroll County, has to say on the subject. Plaintiff's bad faith in litigating this case is evidenced in the court's record, showing that all papers, orders, and notices served by mail upon plaintiffs have been returned undeliverable by the United States Postal Service. The address provided by the plaintiffs in their written appearances the contents and requirements for which are provided in Rule 3.1 of the Indiana Rules of Trial Procedure, has no mail receptacle according to the record. The plaintiffs are not lawyers, but to provided that address required intent on the part of both plaintiffs 
to frustrate or evade justice in this case that non-lawyers understand. County submits that this evidence of bad faith alone justifies an award of costs and attorney's fees. Again, that's a strong argument. We highlighted before that any mail sent to the address provided by Wright and Sadlowski was returned as undeliverable. It is difficult to understand why they would choose to provide the court with an inaccurate address for themselves. Needless to say, Judge Diener found those arguments compelling and ordered Wright and Sladowski to pay attorney's costs. As of this date, it does not appear as either of them has made that payment. It is worth noting, though, that on September 22, 2022, the women, who previously represented themselves, filed a paper with the court indicating they now had an attorney, Laura Fatouche. But she did not remain in the case for long. On November 10, 2022, Fatouche filed a motion to withdraw from the case because, quote, there has been a breakdown of the attorney-client relationship that creates a conflict of interest. We will not speculate on what facilitated this breakdown of the attorney-client relationship. On November 29, 2022, attorney Kevin Bowen filed papers indicated he now represented Sidlowski and Wright. At this time, the two women were faced with an order to appear at a hearing on December 16th on the issue of how they would pay the legal fees they owed the county. To be more specific, Judge Diener's orders indicated they had to personally appear, so to quote, answer as to wages, assets, profits, and other non-exempt property which are available to satisfy this judgment. We had intended to attend this hearing and cover it for the podcast. But on December 13, 2022, Attorney Bowen filed a request for that hearing to be postponed. Bowen wrote in part, On December 2, 2022, the undersigned counsel held a telephonic settlement conference to discuss a final resolution to this matter. The parties remain in communication about the judgment and need additional time to resolve all outstanding issues. On December 12, 2022, the undersigned was advised by counsel for Carroll County Board of Elections that there was no objection to a brief continuance of the hearing. It sounds like Bowen is trying to work out some sort of compromise for his clients to perhaps lower the amount of money they need to compensate Carroll County. And that's where the case stands at the moment. It has been dismissed, and the only issue still in contention appears to be the money Wright and Slodowski owe Carroll County. Since the case is still active, it may appear premature to draw too many conclusions from it. We feel, though, that at the bare minimum, it is safe to say that it would not be fair or just to draw any negative conclusions about the Carroll County Sheriff's Office or the Carroll County Board of Elections based upon anything in this suit. Here's the part of the show where we'll give you our opinions on all this. The judge in this case is correct to demand that Sidlowski and Wright fork over legal fees. The sloppiness and lack of care with which this lawsuit was prepared, the frankly bizarre behavior of the plaintiffs, and the ensuing reactions by responsible authorities do not speak well for this whole situation. Carroll County is not a wealthy county. 
It should not have to spend resources fighting a foolish and frivolous lawsuit filed by people who either don't understand the law or simply don't care about wasting other people's tax dollars. Nicholas McLeland, the prosecutor responsible for the Delphi case, does not have unlimited hours to spend exchanging messages with Sladowski. The fact that Sladowski and Wright, two people whose connection to this case appears to manifest itself in their participation in social media groups that advance conspiracy theories pertaining to the murders, took it upon themselves to do this should not be viewed as a quest for truth and justice. It should be viewed for what it is, a misguided attempt to insert themselves into local politics in order to punish local leaders and champion their preferred candidate. More on him later. In our view, this sort of behavior reflects the worst elements of true crime culture. It's nosy, it's conspiratorial, it's careless, it's ego-driven, it's pointless, it's quite dumb, and it has no legal basis. It does nothing for Libby and Abby. It does nothing for their families. It does nothing for their case. Anybody involved in this mess, directly or through enabling behaviors, should be utterly ashamed with themselves. As far as we're concerned, these people have zero credibility. From the outside, it appears that most people seem to realize all of that. After all, not too many people seem to have paid much attention to this suit. But there was at least one man who felt differently. This was a man from Carroll County, a man who'd participated in the political arena there. His name? Mike Thomas. He was the chief deputy of Carroll County, and, as we mentioned, was also an unsuccessful candidate for sheriff there. While it was clear that he was their preferred candidate, Wright and Slodowski say he had nothing to do with their lawsuit. That may very well be true. But it is also true that he made numerous comments on social media, making it clear that he was well aware of the allegations it made, and that he endorsed them. But that's not all. He also has been throwing around some serious recriminations that deal directly with the Delphi murders themselves. We'll have a lot more to say about Thomas and his case in our next episode, which will come out tomorrow, December 21st, 2022. Thanks so much for listening to The Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murder sheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murder sheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet Discussion Group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening.